0: Hello, friend, and welcome to another video. In this video, we're going over the single herb category, Cool Acrid Herbs That Release the Exterior. So if you want to follow along with the slides, you can uh, go to the website and download them there. Uh, Just go to tcmstudy.net, and there, under the Herbology 1 tab, we're going over Cool Acrid Herbs That Release the Exterior. You can get the slides or the flashcards to follow along. But let's just go ahead and get started. So here we're covering the category cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So our first kind of major category in herbs is herbs that release the exterior. And that's divided into two sections. Warm acrid herbs that release the exterior and cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So this is our second release the exterior category. So with warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, we are treating external attacks of wind cold, In this category, cool acrid herbs that release the exterior, we're treating an external attack of wind heat. So before we go through it, maybe let's review just what we meant by releasing the exterior. So if you remember when we said uh, releasing the exterior, we're talking about an exterior attack. We were talking about pathogens attacking the superficial levels of the body. And so we use these acrid herbs to promote sweating and push the pathogen out. The way we know there's a pathogen on the exterior is we have two major symptoms. Number one is simultaneous fever and chills, and number two is a floating pulse. The simultaneous fever and chills are a result of the battle that goes on between the evil qi that's trying to invade and the upright qi that's trying to repel the invasion. This battle creates fever and chills. Floating pulse is just a sign that we have an exterior condition, that this pathogen is on the surface of the body, so the upright chi rises to the surface to, the meet, to meet it. Since the upright chi is going to the surface, we feel the pulse on the surface. So those are the signs and symptoms that we see generally for any time type of exterior attack. And again, with our first category, we're dealing mainly with an external attack of wind-cold. Here we're gonna talk about external attacks of wind heat. So what does that look like? Well, like we said, for an external attack of wind heat, this is an external attack. So we're of course gonna see simultaneous fever and chills and a floating pulse. It's just now because we're dealing with wind heat, our fever and chills, it's gonna be more fever and less chills. Just because this is a heat pathogen, the fever will be more pronounced. And because an exterior attack, we're still gonna have a floating pulse. Just now it might be floating and rapid. Remember, heat causes things to speed up. So in the blood vessels, heat speeds up the blood and so we feel the pulse as a rapid pulse. So still fever and chills, still a floating pulse. Just now it might be more fever and less chills and the pulse might be floating and rapid. One of our key symptoms for an uh, external attack of wind heat is going to be a sore throat. And here when we say sore throat, we mean a red, sore, swollen, painful throat. And this is something that we see with wind heat that we don't really see with wind cold, so this can be one of our real differentiating features. But one of the reasons I try to emphasize a red, sore, swollen, painful throat is just because sometimes what will happen clinically is you'll have a patient come in and they say, and you'll ask them, do you have a sore throat? And they'll say, yes, I have a sore throat. And then people will automatically think it's a wind heat condition. When I think really sometimes what happens in the clinic is people get a wind cold attack and they start getting some post-nasal drip and that kind of irritates the back of their throat. So they'll say they have a sore throat. But it's not necessarily an external attack of wind heat. When they get wind heat, it's going to be this more severe, swollen, red, think about like we're getting into strep throat-like conditions, like really painful, burning throat, Um, not just I'm irritated by post-nasal drip. So that's something you might have to kind of play around with when you're actually treating patients in the clinic is differentiating, is this a true wind heat sore throat. And so that's just something that kind of comes up. But generally speaking for an external attack of wind heat, we say there might be a a red, sore, swollen, painful throat to tell us that it's a attack of wind heat. We can see cough with phlegm. Again, it was uh, cough with phlegm. We could see this in with a wind cold or a wind heat attack. But with an external attack of wind heat, if we have phlegm, it's going to be thick, yellow, sticky, viscous, difficult to expectorate sputum. And so the idea here is, remember with, a, with an external attack of wind cold, we could also have phlegm, but that there, the wind cold was in the lung, that cold was congealing the fluids. And so we had phlegm with wind cold, but that phlegm tended to be thin, clear, white, copious, easy to cough out. Here with an external attack of wind heat, we have heat in the lungs, and that heat is cooking down or thickening the fluids. Think about when you have a stew and you put it on a simmer to thicken the stew. Here, that's what's happening into the fluids in the lungs. So this heat is cooking down the fluids, causing it to be thick, yellow, viscous, and difficult to expectorate. So that's what we're going to see. The, what the, that's what the phlegm is going to look like when we have an external attack of wind heat. Some other symptoms we might see are rash. Um, we kind of have to be careful here. There are there are a couple things that can cause rash. Wind heat is one of them. If we have this wind heat on the exterior, we could get a rash. Think like hives, urticaria. Sometimes this happens when people get like a um, sickness or hay fever. They could also break out into a rash we're going to have to be careful to differentiate between different types of rash. That we could have a rash due to wind heat. We could have a rash due to heat toxicity, which is something that we'll talk about. We could have rashes due to blood level heat. And so this is something that we need to kind of be careful about. So when we say rash due to wind heat, these tend to be more superficial rashes, not these deep set painful sores, but more superficial rashes with itching. And sometimes we'll talk about measles, but at this stage we mean like early stage measles where we're trying to get the rash to express itself. So that's kind of what we mean when we say uh, rash with wind heat. So that's something that we'll talk about and we'll have to differentiate between so rash is one possibility. Another possibility is eye problems. Here we're talking about dry, red, itchy eyes that can come with a wind heat attack. Sometimes it's, you can think like allergies or sometimes just getting sick. And again, so, um, these eye problems can be due to different causes. Usually in Chinese, with the function we use here, we use the term brightening the eyes. So we'll go, So we're gonna have a lot of herbs with the actions brightens the eyes, but we need to know by which way or what type of cause does it treat? Because when we have these eye problems, again, we can have eye problems due to wind heat. We could have eye problems due to liver heat and liver yang rising. Or we could have eye problems due to liver yin deficiency, liver blood deficiency. And so these are going to look a little bit different, and we might use different herbs to treat them. So when we say these herbs brighten, these eye, brighten the eyes, it's not enough to just say they treat eye problems or, the, or they brighten the eyes. We need to know by which way do they brighten the eyes. But again, with an external attack of wind heat, this is one possible symptom we might see is eye problems like dry, red, itchy eyes. So those are the things we're going to see for external attack of wind heat signs and symptoms. We should probably also go over Shanghan Lun Wenbing theory, since again, we're talking about external attacks. So, if you remember, I don't, I don't remember if we, how much we got into this in the last one, but remember when it comes to febrile disease, we have two schools of thought. We have the cold damage school and the warm disease school. The Shanghan Lun by Zhang Zhongjing and the Wen Zhe Lun, or the Wen Bing school by Yi Tian Shi. And so, we had one school that says febrile diseases are caused by cold pathogens. These cold pathogens enter the body through the skin and muscle layer and penetrate through the six levels: Taiyang, Yangming, Shaoyang, Taiyin, Shaoyin, Jueyin. Well, on the other side, a couple hundred or really more thousand years later, we have the Wenbing school that said that febrile diseases are caused by heat pathogens. These heat pathogens enter the body through the nose and mouth, and they penetrate through the four levels, the Wei level, the Qi level, the Ying level, and the Shui level. So here we're talking about an external attack of wind heat, so that's going to correspond to heat at the Wei level in terms of Wenbing theory. So here, um, just Wei level heat is going to be the same as an external attack of wind heat. And as we get into the next category, we're gonna go through those other levels, chi level heat, ying or nutritive level heat, and shui or blood level heat. So those are coming in the next category, herbs that clear heat. For now, we're dealing with heat on the exterior, an external attack of wind heat. So that's going to correspond to heat at the Wei level in terms of the Wen Bing. So that's just something we can mention briefly. So, general properties of these herbs, of course, we're in the category cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. These herbs are going to be cool and acrid, no surprise. So, again, we're dealing with an external attack of wind heat. We're dealing with a heat condition. So, we use cool or cold herbs to counter that heat. So, that's why these herbs are cool on temperature. And then, just like before, the acrid flavor, we say it moves and disperses But here we're talking about the acrid flavor dispersing pathogens from the exterior. So that's why we use cool acrid herbs. And this is a little bit maybe why sometimes the word acrid, um, sheen, gets translated as spicy. And this can be a little bit difficult for people because normally when people hear the word spicy, they think of hot things. They think of like jalapenos or uh, peppers and things like that that are hot in nature. Well, here we're dealing with herbs that they're acrid, but they're not hot in temperature. And so things like mint leaf and things like that, they're going to have this acrid dispersing well, they're not necessarily spicy like we think of spicy, but we still call them acrid because they're dispersing this heat pathogen or they're, or they're helping vent things outward. So if you have this heat constraint on the exterior, it's causing us to be to get rashes and stuff like that. These acrid herbs will vent or release or disperse those things from the exterior. So, cool and acrid, and actually some of these herbs, we're going to find a lot of them are also bitter in flavor. Remember, the bitter flavor has an action of clearing heat and draining fire, so that's another way to get rid of the heat, but it's through a slightly different mechanism. But we're going to see that some of these herbs are actually bitter as well, so don't be surprised when you see that. As far as entering channel goes, these herbs tend to enter the lung and liver channels. Of course it enters the lung channel because the lung governs the exterior, it governs the skin, it governs the Wei Qi, it governs the opening and closing of the pores, so when you want to release the exterior, it makes sense that those herbs enter the lung channel. They also, a lot of them, tend to enter the liver channel, and this is just because they have the action of brightening the eyes. When wind heat attacks the exterior, we might have eye symptoms like dry, red, itchy eyes, and so some of these herbs are going to be able to treat those types of eye problems. The eyes are associated with the liver, so that's why they enter the liver channel as well. Cautions and contraindications, same as before, these herbs are acrid and dispersing, so we're going to want to use them uh, cautiously in cases of deficiency. So that we're, I mean, we're, we're trying to disperse the pathogens, but if we overuse them or use them too long term, then th- we might end up dispersing the good qi as well so we want to use caution there and again this doesn't just mean that they're strictly contraindicated but we might be combining them with other herbs in our formula so if a person has a lot of deficiency we might take these herbs that release the exterior and combine them with qi tonics or yin tonics just to support the person's upright cheat and make sure we're not overly dispersing them and, of course, our main action, this is cool lacquered herbs that release the exterior, so our main action here is to dispel wind heat to release the exterior and deal with those signs and symptoms we were talking about. So getting into the actual herbs, cool lacquered herbs that release the exterior, we have 11 herbs here, so let's go through them. Our first one is b'ohu, menthi haplocalcus herba. B'ohu, b'ohu. So... This one I, I like to be to be careful about the pronunciation. Remember, in Pinyin, in Chinese, the e has an uh sound, so it's almost kind of like you're getting punched in the stomach. It's uh, and so this is not bo he, it's fool h, and so we can also see that in this particular case, the h uh is second tone, so it's like you're it has a rising nature. It's like you're asking a question. Uh. So it's like you're getting punched in the stomach, but you're also kind of confused about it. Huh? So this is buohe, menthi uh, haplocalcus erpa, This is mint leaf. And maybe we should be careful that this is specifically Chinese field mint. It's a little bit different than our peppermint. So this isn't exactly the same as mint tea you might uh, buy in the store, but it's a similar species, just a little bit different. So Bohe is mint leaf or mint leaf and stems. So Bohe has a few major actions. Of course, this is in the category cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So of course it releases the exterior to expel wind heat conditions. So that's something that every herb in this category does. But we want to pay attention to with each of these herbs Each one releases the exterior, but we want to know what's its specialty, what makes it stand out. So, buche, one of its specialties is in releasing the exterior, it's really good for the head and face. So, we say it brightens the eyes, treating those eye problems like dry eyes, red eyes, itchy eyes, benefits the throat for those sore throat conditions. It's also good for headache. So, this one, sometimes you see maybe people that... If they have these head and eye symptoms, they might brew some mint tea and stick their head and face over it and let the steam come up and hit them in the face, hit them in the eyes, and they'll inhale it, drape a towel over it, and just let the steam go into their face because it's that aromatic quality is opening up the face, opening up the eyes, benefiting the throat, relieving headache. So that's one of the spe- specialties of Thuohu, mentha haplocalcus herba is in releasing the exterior, it brightens the eyes, benefits the throat, and relieves headache. So really good for the head, eyes, and face. Another specialty of Buohe, Menthi Haplocalcus herba, is Buohe vents skin rashes. So this is especially good for early stage rashes or early stage measles, wherein the rash isn't really defined, hasn't quite expressed itself. This helps vent things out and releases the exterior to vent that rash outwards. So really we could this we could put this as sort of a subsection of number one because venting skin rash is kind of a kind of a subsection of releasing the exterior. When we release the exterior and push that heat outward, that's what we're doing but it turns out that buohu haplocalcus herba is so good at doing this we put it on a separate line so that's why vent skin rashes or vents rashes is on its own line because it's a a major function of this herb then separate from releasing the exterior buohu also gently moves liver qi to treat liver qi stagnation um relieving liver qi constraint so typical signs and symptoms uh, chest depression or rib side distension, because that's where the liver and gallbladder pla- channels go, is to the rib sides. Emotional instability, gynecological problems. A lot of our women's health problems have to do with liver chi stagnation. So Wu hu mentha haplocalcus erba, can kind of, it's not really a major qi mover, but sometimes we see it added to formulas to help with uh, promoting the movement of liver chi, treating liver qi stagnation. So there might be one famous formula you've heard of is San, rambling powder or free and easy wanderer decoction. So San is one of our major formulas for treating liver qi stagnation or for moving liver qi. And so San, it turns out uh, at the very end, we add in some buo he, uh mint leaf, because it has this action of gently promoting the movement of liver qi. So that's something that we'll see come up in a couple formulas, is buohe, moving the liver chi. If anything, number four, this is kind of a weird function that Bensky has. He says, expels turbid filth. And you're kind of like, what does that mean, expelling turbid filth? Well, it turns out this, basically it's middle jowl problems like nausea, vomiting, uh, acid reflux, focal distension. When he says, when Bensky says focal distension, he means Pain and distension that's focused on the epigastrium. So, focal distension means kind of like epigastric pain, basically, middle jowl problems. So, Bensky uses this term expels turbid filth. This is just referring to these middle jowl problems, especially during the summertime. We see this come up in like one formula, Ganmu um, uh, where it's being used in this way. Uh, so Bensky says expels turbid filth. Nigel Weissman is a little bit more straightforward. He just says regulates middle jow chi or harmonizes the middle jowl. And but again, we're talking about epigastric distension, nausea, or acid reflux, usually due to a warm pathogen. And uh Weissman and Brand will point out that for this, we specifically like to use the stems. So normally when you get bullhut, it looks kind of like this pile of green stuff over there that we have in the picture. And it's kind of a, it's like somebody took a bunch of mint and put it through a shredder or put it through a mulcher. So it looks like a just a bunch of leaf mulch. And it's actually a combination of leaves and stems. But technically, if we wanted to release the exterior, the leaves are a little bit better. If we want to harmonize the middle jowl or uh, treat this turbid filth causing uh, nausea, epigastric distension, we'd prefer to use the stems. But really, I'm not sure I've ever seen it where you can buy them separately. Usually you just see them mixed together. So that's not a major function of Buohu. Uh, really for me, for Bohe, th- the things I would uh, focus on would be the first three that it expels wind heat and their specialty is treating the head and face. So think about somebody, um, stooping their face over mint tea and letting the steam open up the orifices of the face. It's really good for skin rash. So think about venting skin rashes and then also gently moving liver tea. Maybe you can think that Bohe mint leaf is green in color, and green is the color of the liver. So that's why it gently moves liver teeth. Or I've had some people say that they think of a, a person with green eyes. That uh, green is the color of the liver and bull is really good for the eye. So for bull, hu, meant by haplocalcus erba, instead of thinking of like zoo cards in an animal, maybe think of someone with green eyes for bull, hu. And then when you look at the the properties, of course, we're in the category cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So this herb is going to be cool and acrid. We're dealing with a wind heat condition. So we use the cool temperature to counter the heat. We use the acrid flavor to disperse the pathogen from the exterior. We see that the taste is also aromatic, that boha has an aromatic property. And so if you remember aromatic, one thing it does is it opens and awakens, or opens orifices. So here when we say bulhut is aromatic, we're talking about opening the orifices of the face. It opens up the eyes, opens up the face to relieve headache, opens up the throat. And so that's part of its aromatic opening quality. I suppose we could also um, relate that to number four. We said that the aromatic Property awakens the spleen and helps with middle jowl problems. And so that's probably why we see number four here with expelling turbid filth or harmonizing the middle jowl. That's probably related to the fact that it's aromatic in nature. And something common with aromatic herbs is when we say aromatic, that usually means it has some volatile oils that will be destroyed when you cook it too much. And so that's why for buohe we sometimes include this special cooking instruction that you add it during the last five minutes of cooking. Sometimes when, when we make mint tea using peppermint, we don't even boil it. You just add hot water and steep it, and that's good enough. So here we can probably do that. We can just add hot water, or if we're gonna boil it, we don't wanna boil it longer than five minutes because that will kind of destroy that aromatic property, helping us open up the head and face and relieving those symptoms in the head and face. So again, we can kind of relate its aromatic property to its action of opening up the head and face. For entering channels, we see it enters the lung and liver. And again, hopefully this makes sense. The lung uh, governs the exterior, governs the opening and closing of the pores, governs the whey qi. So when we want to release the exterior, it's very common that these herbs enter the lung channel. We're also dealing with rash. So a rash is a condition of the skin and the lung governs the skin. So it makes sense that buohe enters the lung channel. For the liver channel, we have a, a couple ways to remember this. One is, remember buohe is very good at brightening the eyes. The eyes belong to the liver, so that's why it enters the liver channel. Also, it gently moves liver qi. So, of course, of course, if it moves liver qi, it's probably going to enter the liver channel. So that is buohe, mentha haplocalcus herba. buohe. And again, um this is mint leaf, but we maybe want to point out that this is specifically Chinese field mint. And so it's a little bit different than getting peppermint. So if you just go to the grocery store and get peppermint tea, that's not exactly the same as buo It's a different uh like genus, it's a different it's a technically a different subspecies of the plant. It has different active ingredients in it. So it's probably gonna be similar, but not exactly the same. So uh, Bohe, Mentha haplocalcus herba, is Chinese field mint, which is a little bit different than peppermint, like you might get with peppermint tea. Our next herb is niobangzi, Artii fructus. Niobangzi, neobanga Artii fructus. This is burdock seed, which I don't know much about. Apparently, I think some people... Uh, use burdock root as an herb or as a food in Western herbology or in Western cooking. Uh, I think this is similar, but it's the seed. It's burdock seed, Neobongsa. And again, here the the, um, pronunciation is a little bit interesting. This uh, I-U diphthong, when we put two vowels together, we call that a diphthong. This one's kind of interesting. So the I has an E sound and the U has an U sound, but it turns out there's like a hidden O in the middle that there's an O there. We call this a pinion gotcha because it's a, there's an extra vowel there that needs to be pronounced, but is not actually written down. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go on Google and type in pinion gotcha as in gotcha. I tricked you. And so that's why it turns out that uh this would be pronounced nyo, and you just say it really fast. So it's nyo, nyo. So this is not nyubongza, this is nyubongza. And again, z means seed, so it has this kind of buzzing with a "z." Dz, dz. So please don't say nyubongze. This is nyubongza, RTI fructus. Nyubongza, RTI fructus. What are its functions? Well, like everything in this category, Nyobangza uh releases the expe- exterior to dispel wind heat invasion. But again, we want to ask what's its specialty. Here, Nyobangza, its specialty is definitely that it benefits the throat. It's good for a red, sore, swollen, painful throat. So for Nyobangza, in terms of releasing the exterior and, and treating wind heat invasion, I would definitely remember sore throat. And this is something that's going to come up in a lot of our formulas. We have a couple formulas that are especially good for treating sore throat. So, for example, we have a very famous one, Yin Chao San, uh, for Scythia and uh, honeysuckle, and for forsyth- I couldn't remember the English names, honeysuckle and Forsythia flower decoction, Yin Chao San. And for yin chao-san, it treats an external attack of wind heat, and one of the key symptoms is sore throat. And yin chao-san contains nyo bangza because it has a section of treating sore throat. We have another formula called puji shao du yin, a universal benefit overcome toxicity drink. And this is for a massive febrile disease of the head and face. But one of the key symptoms there is sore throat, and neobongza is in that formula because it treats sore throat. So because neobongza comes up in these formulas for this reason, I think it makes sense that we should remember that this is a key feature of this herb, that neobongza arctii fructus is good for treating sore throat. Number two, a very good specialty of Neobongza is that it clears heat toxicity and vents rashes. So this is another one that's very good for rashes, for skin rash. And here we actually, we say, we kind of say it two ways. We say clears heat toxicity and vents rashes. And so again, this is kind of getting into our different types of rashes that when we say vents rashes, we're talking about rashes due to a wind heat invasion. So these are a little bit more superficial. We're trying to vent the heat out. When we say heat toxicity, we'll get into that in the next category. When you get into the category herbs at clear heat, we have a specific section called herbs that clear heat and resolve toxicity. And so we'll get into what that means to clear heat toxicity. But basically here, we're not just really talking about itchy rash with heat toxicity. We're talking about um, deep-set painful sores uh, or abscesses. What is an abscess? An abscess is an area that's filled with pus. So we're talking about boils, carbuncles, and deep-rooted painful sores. And that's a little bit deeper. And so we, for that, we don't just release the exterior. We clear heat toxicity. Well, it turns out Nyo Bangsa is so good at rashes and skin conditions that it does both. It vents outward to treat these wind heat conditions, but we can also say it's for painful swelling, redness, and sores. That's more like heat toxicity. So Nyo Bangsa does both. If anything, number three, we can also say that Nyo Bangsa moistens the large intestine to gently relieve constipation. And remember, z means seed. Nyobangza is burdock seed. And so this is a very common function of seeds in the Materia Medica, that seeds tend to be oily in nature. So neobanga has these oils that gently lubricates the large intestine to relieve constipation. So it turns out that this can be a good thing or a bad thing. This can be a feature or a side effect. So on the one hand, if a person has an external attack of wind heat, could be that heat is drying out the fluids, and so the person feels some constipation just because of that heat that's in the body, and uh, they're having difficulty passing stools because the heat is drying out the fluids. In that case, Neobongsa is very good, that those oils will lubricate the large intestine and help relieve that constipation. On the other hand, we could say that this is like a side effect, that we really don't use Neobongsa in any formulas specifically for this reason. We have other Other seeds and oily things that are much better, but this could be kind of a side effect. That if you give a person a formula with a lot of neobonza in it, and they say and they come back and say, "Oh, this gave me loose stools. I'm having some some problems." It could be that the neobonza is the culprit. That this was moistening in the large intestine when we didn't need it to, and it's actually giving them loose stools. So this could be a good thing. If the person has constipation, this would help relieve it. If the person doesn't have constipation, it could give them loose stools. And so that might be kind of a caution we would want to pay attention to is if we have a patient with a history of loose stools, we might need to be a little bit more conservative or we can just let the patient know that this is a possibility that will happen. And as soon as they stop taking Neobongsa, that will resolve itself. Um, So that's one possibility with Neobongsa Arctii fructus or bird Again, this is a very common thing we see in seeds, the zzz zh or zhren, that they tend to relieve constipation. In terms of our properties, again, this is cool and ac- acrid. Uh, arctii fructus, arctii sounds like arctic, it even sounds cold, so this one is cold in temperature to deal with the wind heat. It's acrid because we're dispersing the pathogen to release the exterior. And notice that this one is also bitter in flavor. So again, bitter flavor tends to have a downward direction, bitter flavor we can use to clear heat and drain fire. So instead of releasing the heat outwards, we're kind of draining it. So that's kind of interesting that Neil does both. It's both acrid and bitter. And this is probably related to our heat toxicity function that we can say that Neobangza is acrid, so it vents outward to deal with rashes, but neobangza is also bitter, and so clearing heat toxicity is more of a draining action so it can deal with these heat with this heat at multiple levels. Neobangza tends to enter the we say it enters the lung and stomach channel, again, the lung channel because we're releasing the exterior. Stomach is kind of an interesting one. I'm not entirely sure why we say stomach here. I will just say that. When we get into the heat toxicity category, we're going to say it's very common for whenever we have an herb that deals with heat toxicity like pus and things like that, it's very common for those herbs to enter the stomach channel. And one way this was explained to me is, remember, um, spleen stomach governs the flesh, while pus is like flesh that's been burned by heat, and so that's why we say these herbs enter the stomach channel. So maybe that's, maybe that's not very important in this case, but maybe that's a way we can think of Nyo that enters the stomach channel. Dosage is slightly larger than average, but I'd still say average. 6 to 12 is not a ridiculously large dosage. And also something that happens with seeds is sometimes we need to crush them before we cook them in the decoction. So uh, the traditional way is to crush this with a mortar and pestle. I think uh, an easier way is to just get a coffee grinder and you can put your bons in there and buzz it a few times in the coffee grinder. And this will break it up. Just sometimes these seeds have a hard shell and so it's harder to extract the ingredients or the uh, active ingredients inside. So we just crush them first so it's easier to extract those ingredients during the cooking process. Uh, you don't necessarily need a high-quality herb grinder that can grind up ginseng and things like this. You could just get a coffee grinder, and that will work well enough. So that is burdock seed. As for the name nyo means here, that character means ox. Bang just means burdock, and zzz means seed. So it's cow burdock seed or oxen burdock seed. I'm I'm not sure where the ox comes from. But basically, this is bird oxide and so the Chinese name means bird oxide. So that's neobangza. Definitely remember uh, treating sore throat because that comes up in a lot in our formulas. And then definitely remember venting rashes because that's also something that's going to come up in our formulas. In fact, we have one um, one formula we can look at that will kind of help us review is me pull up here is Xiaofeng San, Eliminate Wind Powder. So let's go ahead and look at the ingredients in Xiaofeng San. Here I have uh, American Dragon. It's a very good uh, online resource for both single herbs and formulas. So you can just type in Xiaofeng San, American Dragon. And this is the one that will pop up. This is called Eliminate Wind Powder. And this is specifically for skin conditions due to either wind damp or wind heat. So wind rash. So Xiao Feng San is a formula that's specifically used to treat rash. So let's go ahead and look at our ingredients and see if we see anything familiar here. The first one is Jin Remember we talked about Jin Jie in the previous category, cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. And one of the things we said about Jin Jie, Herba, is that's very good for venting rashes. We also said that Jingjie is only slightly warm or almost neutral in temperature, so we'll see it for both wind cold and wind heat. Well, here in this formula, Xiao San, we see Jinjie being used to vent rashes for wind heat conditions. So that's an application of an herb that we learned in the previous category. Another one we learned in the previous category was Fongfeng, so Poshnikovia radix, or Ledeborelia root. Fong fong is another one that releases the exterior. It's pretty much neutral in temperature, so we use it for both wind heat and wind cold. Here, it's being used for a wind heat condition, and it's also fong fong treats all the wind, and that includes rashes. But then here we see uh, Nyo bang Zhe coming up to treat uh, rashes, and we're also gonna we also see chan tui, which is our next one. I probably should have saved this discussion for after we talked about chan Tui, but I got ahead of myself. Chan Tui cicada skin, is another one that vent rashes, and we can tell that that's an important feature of that herb because it shows up in this formula, xiaofeng song. The rest of these herbs are more for um, dealing with dampness because dampness can also cause skin problems, so that's why we throw in some herbs for dampness. But I guess the point here was is Uh, Venting rashes is is an important uh, function of niobongza, and it shows up in formulas for rashes like xiaofengsan. The other one that showed up in that formula was chan tui, cicada periostracum, chan tui. Chantwe, cicada skin. This is the moltings of cicada skin. So if you live in an area that has cicadas, you know that when they come out, they uh, they molt off their shell or they molt off their skin and they leave that behind. And that's what this is. Chantwe is the skin or the molting of a cicada. And so this herb has a couple functions. Uh Like every herb in this category, it treats wind-heat invasion. It releases the exterior to expel wind-heat. But here it has a couple of important specialties. So so number one, it treats sore throat, but it's especially good when there's hoarseness or loss of voice. So if a person gets sick, they have an exterior attack, they have a sore throat, and it causes them to lose their voice, then chan tui might be especially useful. One way I like to remember this is, again, if you've lived anywhere where there's cicadas, you know that cicadas are loud. Cicadas like to sing. There's always this chirping in the background when it's cicada season. So cicadas are very loud. They like to sing. And so that's why they're very good for loss of voice. So That's why I remember uh, Chantwe cicada, loss of voice. And we kind of assume that the loss of voice is happening because you have a sore throat. So Chantwe, good for sore throat, especially for voice loss and hoarseness. Another specialty is, like we said, Chan Tui vents skin rashes. So here we have a couple in our previous category that are good for skin rashes, like Jing Jie and Fang Feng. In this category, we've learned a couple so far that are good for skin rashes, like Wu Hu, Niu and now Chan Tui. So again, we saw this come up in our formula, Xiao Feng Sang, uh... Tui is also there next in Yobongza because it treats skin rash. So again, maybe a way we can remember this is a doctrine of signatures, that tui is the skin of the cicada, so it's very good for the skin on your body. So tui cicada skin is good for venting rashes and stopping itchy skin. Uh, One use for this is I had a Chinese friend who would always tell this story about uh, in China, Chan Tui is very useful for chicken pox. And that, I think, I think in America, we tend to use some like Aveeno lotion, or sometimes people take a bath with oatmeal or something like that. Well, apparently in China, the kind of remedy or home remedy is to use Chan Tui, cicada skin, and you could actually use it externally. So, what he would do is when his daughter had uh, chicken pox, he would take some Chan Tui and cook it into a very concentrated decoction and then pour it in a bath and have his daughter bathe in the chan tue solution. I think it's probably a good idea to strain out the chan tue. I feel like that would scar me as a child if I was bathing with cicada skins, but uh, make a make a strong decoction, strain it out, and that can be used externally for chicken pox. And so that's one of the uses for chan tue, cicada skin. And then this is kind of related to the next one, that chan tue also has this action of brightening the eyes for dry red itchy eyes due to wind heat invasion. It turns out traditionally this was also useful in cases of chicken pox when they were worried about the chicken pox spreading into the eye. I think if you just have chicken pox it's maybe not that serious and it can resolve itself, but if that chicken pox spreads to to places and you have actual chicken pox on the eye that can be very serious and can even cause blindness. So in tui, not only is it good for the rash of the chickenpox, it also protects the eyes and makes sure that chickenpox doesn't enter the eyes. So that's another application of tui in terms of brightening the eyes. So those are the main things I would remember about tui cicada periostracum is that it treats sore throat, especially for voice loss. Remember, cicadas are loud and they like to sing. So when you lose your voice, you can use cicadas. Chantui vents rashes and stops itch, and so Chantui is the skin of the cicada, so it's good for the skin of your body, and like our others so far, it also brightens the eyes. If anything else, we can say that Chantui extinguishes wind and stops spasm. So sometimes we say for spasm and convulsion during a febrile disease, this could be if you're... um, if you have a febrile disease, the fever is so severe it can cause spasm and convulsion. And you can think that that's like stirring of wind. And so Chan extinguishes that wind to treat spasm and convulsion. And this one, I just, I just kind of remember this because it turns out that this is a common feature in a lot of our herbs that are insect parts that later we'll learn other insects that we use in Chinese medicine, things like uh, silkworm, baijiangsan, or, um, silkworm, uh, s- uh, centipede, and scorpion, uh, and wugong, that, that there are a couple, um, insects that we use, and they just all have this action of extinguishing wind for spasm, tremor, or sometimes bee syndrome, or things like that. So sometimes I, uh, with some of those other ones, we go so far as to say they not only extinguish wind, they actually seek out and track down wind to extinguish it. So sometimes I think of like little insects crawling through your channels, seeking out the wind. Um, so centipede and scorpion are especially good for that. Chantwe may be a more mild version, but it's still like an insect part. So it still has this action of extinguishing wind for spasm and convulsion. But again, um... I'm not sure that's something you'll necessarily run into a lot. I would focus on the first ones, that it expels wind heat invasion, and there it has three major specialties of treating sore throat and voice loss, venting rashes, again we saw that in our Xiao Feng San, and brightening the eyes. Also an interesting note down here, this is something that Bensky points out, is that historically, um was used to... Um, promote labor or expel retain placenta, or I think even in cases of th- if there was a stillbirth, there was a, this would help expel things. So it's very likely that this can cause some uterine contractions or things like that to help expel things. So that means if we're dealing with someone with pregnancy, we should be, we should at least be cautious. I'm not sure we say it's outright contraindicated, but we should at least be cautious, especially if this patient has a history of miscarriage. Um, we want to be cautious with our use of chan So we can say that chan twe use caution in cases of pregnancy, or we can even say contraindicated in cases of pregnancy. In terms of properties, again, uh Cool, uh, cold in temperature. Interesting to note, this one is salty in flavor. And that's really just because by tradition, animal parts are marked as salty in flavor. Chantwe, insects and animals kind of go together. So Chantwe, since it's an animal part, it's salty in flavor. Enters the lung channel because, again, we're releasing the exterior. We're dealing with rashes. Enters the liver channel because we're brightening the eyes. The eyes belong to the liver. And also because we're extinguishing wind, that has something to do with the liver channel as well. So that's why chan Tui enters both the lung and the liver channel. So that's chan Tui, cicada periostracum. The next two kind of go together. Sangye and Zhuhua. Sangye, morifolium, and Zhuhua, chrysanthemum floss. Sangye is mulberry leaf. Juhua is chrysanthemum flower. And these herbs tend to be used together as paired herbs, as a duway-yao pair. So they have very similar functions, and it's very common to use them together. So first let's talk about Sang ye, morifolium. Sang Ye Morifolium mulberry leaf. So it turns out um, mulberry is very commonly used in Chinese medicine. We use all the parts of the mulberry tree. We use uh mulberry leaf mulberry fruit mulberry twig mulberry bark uh, all the parts of mulberry are used so when you see song sang uh that means in this case that means mulberry so that's something that's going to pop up a lot with our herb song jur is mulberry twig things like that so song ye and then ye means leaf and so that's one of our plant parts that we see come up a lot song ye means mulberry leaf So this one is, of course, it's in the cool lacquered release the exterior category. So it's good for an external attack of wind heat. It expels wind heat invasion. Here we might say that um, it has this property of moistening the lung for dry cough. So again, we said when this wind heat gets into the lung, it can dry out the fluids or cook down the fluid. So we get this. A dry cough or cough with thick yellow sputum. And so this one has a bit of a moistening property. Notice that it's sweet in flavor, implying it has this moistening property. So it's especially good for wind heat invasion when there's cough, uh, dry cough. Songye also brightens the eyes. And here, again, remember when we said we talked about eye problems or brightening the eyes, we said eye problems can be due to a couple reasons. We can have uh, wind heat causing eye problems, we can have liver heat and liver yang rising causing eye problems, or we can have liver yin and blood deficiency, that there's not enough liver yin to moisten the eyes, or there's not enough liver blood to nourish the eyes, and we end up with these eye problems. So when we say brighten the eyes, we can mean any one of those things, Uh, According to Bensky, at least, Songye is good for all three. That Songye clears liver, uh, expels wind heat to brighten eyes, clears excess liver heat to brighten eyes, or uh, tonifies, treats eye problems due to yin deficiency. And so Bensky says it this way. I would say that's true as long as we're combining it with other herbs. I think Songye, Morifolium, because it's a, it's a leaf, it's very light, so it floats upward to the head and face and helps with the eyes. By itself, it's probably especially useful for wind heat and liver heat, liver yang rising. For yin deficiency, I would say we probably have to combine it with some other herbs, so, but we might see that come up. So, but technically, according to Bensky, he'll say it's for eye problems due to any one of the three. And we say Songye Morifolium also cools blood to stop bleeding. This is mild. It's for possibly vomiting um, vomiting blood. So if you have a wind heat invasion and there's also some vomiting blood, maybe Songye is useful. I'm not sure that's a, a major function of this herb. I haven't seen this come up in a formula for that use. So I would, I would definitely remember the first two functions that it's good for wind heat invasion, like everything here, especially for cough. And it's very good for brightening the eyes. It has a very famous action of brightening the eyes. And again, it's a leaf. It's, it's kind of a doctrine of signatures that sometimes when you have heavy things like roots, they tend to go downward and sink downward and be good for the lower jaw. When we have lighter things like flowers and leaves, they tend to float upward and be good for the head, face, and eyes. So sangye is good for brightening the eyes, calming the liver and brightening the eyes. Again, it's cold in temperature because we're in kulak to release the exterior. It's sweet and bitter. Sweet is because it's moistening the lung. Remember, the sweet flavor can moisten and tonify. Here, it's moistening the lung to help with that dry cough. Bitter has to do with its calming the liver and helping that liver heat. So, if we have eye problems due to the liver heat, liver yang rising, that bitter flavor can help calm the liver and treat these eye problems. But again, Song Ye is very similar to our next herb, Juhua, chrysanthemum flower. They tend to be used together as paired herbs. So, we have Juhua, chrysanthemum floss, Juhua, chrysanthemum flower. And here, if you're, again, if you remember our plant parts, we said that ye means leaf. So song ye is mulberry leaf. Hua means flower. So ju hua is chrysanthemum flower. But again, um, functions here are very similar. We start off with it's good for wind heat invasion. Uh, it calms the liver and brightens the eyes. And again, according to Bensky, he says it's good for all three. It's good for wind heat, liver heat, and yin deficiency. And again, I think this is true as long as we combine it with other ingredients. I think by itself, it's probably good for uh, wind heat and liver heat. But we actually have this um, very famous combination of using juhua chrysanthemum flour with Gochitsa goji berries. And so here, I I think this is why we say it's good for those because goji berries... Also have a very famous action of brightening the eyes, but goji berries is in the category tonify yin or tonify blood, depending on which book you read, and so it has a very famous action of tonifies yin, tonifies blood, to brighten eyes. And so, because these two herbs uh, both brighten the eyes, we tend to use them together: Juhua plus gochiza. This comes up in a formula that we'll we'll learn later called chi uh, ju di wan for eye problems due to uh, liver yin deficiency. But it turns out you can also just take this as a tea, that these are two very common ingredients that you can often find in the store that, at least in a, a, a Chinese uh, a Chinese supermarket, you can find juhua, chrysanthemum flower, and gochitza goji berries, and you can uh, put them together in a tea. You don't necessarily have to boil them. You could just pour boiling water on it and let it steep. And the goji berry has a very sweet flavor, so it's very nice. And then the uh Juhua adds a kind of a lighter flowery flavor on top of it. So it's actually a very tasty tea. So if it's springtime and there's a lot of wind and you have a lot of allergies irritating your eyes, you might be able to drink this tea, uh Gochitza plus Juhua, to help with your eye issues. And so that's why I think Juhua is especially famous for this action of brightening the eye. So that's so- definitely something we should remember about. Hua is it's good for brightening the eyes. I think with Songye, we said calms the liver. Here we go a step further and we can say it's for other symptoms of liver heat and liver yang rising, uh, not just eye problems. So when we have liver heat, liver yang rising, it might go into the eyes and cause dry, red, itchy eyes. Here we're saying jiu Hua it floats upward and helps with other symptoms that we might see here like headache, dizziness, or deafness that the liver yang is rising up and causing these problems, that the ju hua can help with that. Clear heat toxicity, treat sores and swellings. Not sure this. I, f- I feel like we have better herbs for that. But technically, yes, this comes up. We may be able to use this externally. I don't remember if we can if this is one. A lot of flowers. It turns out we have a flower. A lot of flowers that are good for heat toxicity, and we can actually use them externally as a poultice. You kind of pound them up and bruise them, and then you can apply them externally. I know we can do this with dandelion. I'm not sure if we can do this with chrysanthemum, but that's that could be a thing. So that's Juhua. It turns out that Juhua, again, it has a very famous action of brightening the eyes. Turns out it's so good at brightening eyes, we can actually apply it externally that you could make some Juhua and put it on a washcloth or put it on some gauze and um, put that over your eyes. So for this one, sometimes I think of, uh, sometimes you see those pictures of people at spas and they put cucumbers over their eyes to help with their eyes. You say, uh, cucumbers are very cool. You're cool as a cucumber, so it helps cool things down when you have inflamed eyes. Well, here we could use Hua to do the same thing. And then we say that juhua and Songye are often used together as paired herbs uh, for treating wind heat invasion. And again, one of our main formulas for treating an external attack of wind heat is actually a formula called Songjuyin sangju yin. And so um, mulberry and chrysanthemum drink. So if we look up sangju Yin, the Song means uh, sangye and the ju means juhua. And so this is for an external attack of wind heat, especially when there's cough. And so we can see our two main herbs are sangye and juhua. So these are very commonly used together uh, to clear wind heat invasion. And then we can see some other herbs that we've learned already. Buo hu uh, meant by Heplocalcus herba. Buo is mint leaf. So again, um, very good for headache and brightening the eyes. Um, and that might be it in terms of the, in terms of the herbs we learned so far, but Sangju Yin, very common formula for treating wind, in, uh, wind heat invasion. So we should remember that Sangye and hua are often used together as paired herbs to treat wind heat invasion. So that's Juhua. Sangye and Juhua very commonly used together as paired herbs. And again, uh, slightly cold in temperature because we're dealing with wind heat. This one is bitter in flavor because we're again Helping with some heat that's gone into the eyes and also helping with this liver heat, liver yang rising. We're using the bitter flavor to kind of bring things back down and clear the heat. And this one is also sweet in flavor. Sometimes I just point this out because the uh, juhua, there's an additional kind of function of juhua, chrysanthemum, that it was very commonly used by Taoists just as a general tonic um, for promoting longevity. And so sometimes it's very common that for Chinese people to just regularly drink chrysanthemum tea. So I I one time had a a Chinese student uh, ask me, is is this okay to be drinking Zhuhua? Because we said that a lot of these herbs, they're dispersing. And he said, if I drink this Zhuhua tea, am I going to overly disperse my qi? And it turns out that Zhuhua is actually has a sweet flavor. So it kind of has when it's used long-term, it may have this gentle tonifying effect. And Taoists would actually drink this regularly to help with their, to help promote longevity. And so this one isn't, doesn't have that acrid dispersing nature of some of the other ones. It's a little bit more uh, sweet and tonifying. So that's just kind of an additional function that we don't necessarily mention here in terms of its medicinal properties. But it, it is used that way in China just as a regular tea to help with longevity. So that's hua chrysanthemum flower. Ju just means chrysanthemum, and Hua means flower. Our next one is Manjingza, viticus fructus. Manjingza, 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 viticus fructus. It's good for wind heat invasion, and its specialty is it's good for the head and face. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not sure that Manjingza is a very important herb. It's not a very commonly used herb. And so for Manjingza, I would basically remember that it's good for the head and face. So we can say headache, dizziness, red eyes, eye pain, swollen and painful, gums and teeth. So um, good for clearing wind heat and opening the head and face. So this is going to be very inappropriate. And this is probably why I don't teach at real schools anymore is because I tend to say inappropriate things like this. But the way I remember this herb is man jingze. Man jingze. Remember jing means, um, it can also mean essence. Like we talk about the jing, qi, and shen. The essence, qi, and spirit. Jing can also mean essence. Now in man jingze, that's not what this jing means, but it's a homophone. It, it sounds similar. Real, this, it's a different character and different pronunciation. But when I hear jing, I sometimes think of essence turns out when we say jing means essence, it can also mean semen. And so uh, it turns out this herb is called uh, manjing, which I, I think is especially funny. And it's actually called uh, manjing zi. Zi means seed or semen. So that uh, makes it, uh, I'm immature and I kind of giggle at that when I say, oh, manjing, manjing, manjing uh, uh, seed. So maybe a way you can remember this herb is manjing is good for the head and face. Think about manjing going to your face. You got a headache, maybe that's something that some manjing can fix. Some uh, red eyes, you probably shouldn't get some, any manjing in your eyes. That'll probably make it burn and uh, make things more painful. Uh, man, think about manging, on your gum, getting on your gums and your teeth, helping open up the face. So, So that's the way I think about that. That's really, uh, but that's just because I'm immature, so I think of Manjing, getting that Manjing all over your face. Uh, manjingza also drains dampness and expels wind. Um, it's good for the joints, as in B syndrome. Again, I'm not sure this is a major function. Um, I will say this, this does, uh, if you think about dampness, remember in the last category when we said dampness, one of our herbs was qianghuo. Uh, nototrygium rhizoma Chang huo and everything here, qiang huo think of dampness. Well, it turns out we do have one formula called Changhu Shengshir San, so qiang huo Overcome Dampness Decoction, and it turns out um, that one of the ingredients in that formula is Manjingza. It's being used there for dampness, especially heaviness in the head, and so maybe that's important. Manjing, manjingza, I'd really think of head and face. Um, manjingza goes to the head and face. But then we can see when we look at our um, our properties, it's cool and acrid because we're in the cool acrid release exterior category. We're dealing with wind heat. But also remember, the bitter flavor has an action of drying dampness. And so maybe that's why we mark manjingza as bitter in flavor because it's helping with dampness. And here, for some reason, Bensky says drains dampness and expels wind. He doesn't just say expels wind dampness. That's kind of what we're talking about is B syndrome, but we can also say dampness as in heaviness in the head. And that's what comes up when, uh, with a changhu Huo San. song. And that formula is being used for uh, dampness and heaviness in the head. But really, manjingza, again, think of manjing going to your face. It's good for face things. I remember I had one student, she was like, oh, it's like a, the, she's looking at her herb sample. She's like, oh, whenever I see man jingza, I think it, it looks like a man in a hat. Man in a hat, man jingza. And I am like, oh, that sounds so much more wholesome than my interpretation of that meaning. I feel like man in a hat also has a sexual connotation, but we won't get into that. Next is dan do chur. Dan do chur. Uh, soja semen preparatum, do chur, dando chur is fermented soybean. bean, dan do chur, um, dondo fermented, uh, soy bean. this one, like everything in this category, it releases the exterior, we're in the category cool acrid herbs, it releases the exterior, dando chur releases the exterior. What's special about this one is it's relatively mild, and it can be used for both wind heat and wind cold. And so, actually, Dando Chur is fermented soybean. And so what they do is they actually cook up some other herbs and soak the soybean in there and then either steam it. I think first they steam it, and then they let it ferment in the dregs of the herbs. So it turns out when we look at, um, even when we look at the temperature, we can say, we say is either cold or warm in temperature. And you're like, how can it be either cold or warm? It depends on what other herbs they're fermenting it with. So they might ferment it with cool herbs to make it slightly cool in temperature, or they might ferment it with warm herbs to make it warm in temperature. And so sometimes that might be good to know, like, which one you're getting. But, so that's why we say it's mild and can be used for wind heat or wind cold, And that's why we can say it has has different temperatures, because it can be fermented in different ways to to have this happen. But really, Dando Chur comes up in a few formulas for releasing the exterior, uh, but one of our formulas is Tsong Chur tong. So if you remember in our previous category, we talked about Tsong Bai, which is green onion or scallion. And that was another one that was mild, releases the exterior. It's good for an early stage attack of wind heat or wind cold. So, again, this would be like if you have an early stage attack, you're just starting to, get to you got a little cough or you have the sniffle, sniffles and you want to get rid of it right away. In America, we say, oh, you should take chicken noodle soup. In China, they might say, oh, take song chur tong, make a soup out of scallion and soybean and ginger and things like that. So, that's how we use song chur, um, dando chur, and song bai. So, that's kind of the dando chur. That's its major use, as it releases the exterior. It's rather mild, but we tend to use it for early-stage exterior attacks. Sometimes this does, this does come up in Chinese cooking. So it would be like, instead of taking chicken noodle soup when you get sick, you might take something with Dando Chur in it. But it does come up in some of our um, medicinal formulas as well. Dando Chur, we also say it has this action of eliminates irritability. Say for Shen easiness following a febrile disease, such as irritability, insomnia, restlessness, stifling sensation in the chest. Yes, that's in Bensky. And the reason I point this out is later we will learn one formula where this comes up. I think it's a zhang, zhang, Jing formula, um, churtong. Chertong. Jurtze is gardenia. That's another, that's an herb we'll learn in the next category. The chur means don do chur, and it's for if you have an external attack of wind heat, if you have a febrile disease, and that uh, you expel the pathogen, but you still have this lingering heat causing irritability in the chest and things like that. Then we use this formula tong, and it turns out the two f- ingredients are Jierzha and chur. and so that's why we have this action that dondochur eliminates irritability. That's just because Zhang Zhongjing used it in that one formula, and so now we have to say that Dandocher is also for eliminating irritability. Really the one I would remember, again, this isn't a super common herb, but I would remember that it's this mild herb that we can use for early stage attacks, either wind heat or wind cold. And so the name Dandochur, Don means bland. Like when we talked about the five flavors, we said there are five flavors, but then it can also be aromatic or bland. Don means bland, as in the uh, as in the flavor. Dole means bean. And so this is something that we'll see come up a few times. Again, sometimes we talk about with, with plant parts. So we have like uh dando is fermented soy bean, Yudo is mung bean, do is black bean, churchiao do is little red bean or a zuki bean, so do just means bean. Chur means fermented bean. So dan do Chir means bland fermented bean. That's just what the name means. But again, Colder, warm, and temperature used for early-stage attacks. Next is Muze. Let's see if I can see it say this. Equiceti himalis herba. Muze. Muze. This is also called horsetail or horsetail herb. Muze. Mutse, again, not a very common herb, not one you'll see very much. It's definitely never going to be used as the chief herb in a formula. Mutse, pretty much the only thing we need to remember about it is it's good for brightening the eyes. So mutse might be added to a formula to clear wind heat to brighten eyes. So for redness, pain, swelling, tearing, or blurred vision due to wind heat invasion. Mutse, it's very unlikely to see it in a formula unless you're dealing with eye problems. And and this one with some of our other ones we said, "Oh, maybe it's good for eye problems due to liver heat liver yang rising, maybe it's good for eye problems due to liver yin deficiency, liver blood deficiency." Muze, I'm pretty sure we pretty much only use it for wind heat invasion. Also as a section we say clears heat and cools the blood to stop bleeding. Again, Muze major function, it brightens the eyes. You're very un- it's very unlikely to see it in a formula unless you have some eye issues. As for the name, uh, Mu means wood. So like when you talk about the, the five phases or the five elements, wood, fire, earth, metal, water, Mu means wood or tree. Uh, ze means, um, betrayer or traitor. So Muze is the wood betrayer. And I think that's uh, I read something that sometimes this herb was used as sandpaper. So it's a plant, but it's also used to like sand down or destroy other types of wood. So that's why it's a it's a traitor to its own kind because it can be used to sand down trees. So that's why it's used called muze. Maybe what you can remember if you're really into Chinese, you might, might remember that mu means wood. Wood belongs to the liver, and the liver governs the eyes, so that's why mutse, you might think wood, eyes, mutse is good for brightening the eyes. I think we're almost done here. G-gen. g Peraria radix. g g again. Again, here we have the E makes an uh sound, so that's why we say g not gigan. general is kudzu root. Uh, so kudzu is something that I think it's an, an invasive species in the Midwest. I think there was a problem with kudzu vines. We're taking over everything. But gu again is kudzu root. Uh, I think this is often used as cooking that you can use it as a thickener. Like in America, we would use cornstarch. If we have a sauce and you want to thicken it or you want to make gravy, you can use cornstarch. In China, they would use powdered gu kudzu root. So Guggen has a lot of functions. All of them are important, it turns out. So Guggen, like everything else here, it releases the exterior. But here we specifically say it releases the muscle layer, say for fever, headache, rigid neck, and upper back. So basically Guggen, I would think stiff neck and upper back. So Guggen releases the muscle layer for stiff neck and upper back. So if you remember in our last category, we also had an herb that releases the muscle layer. We said that gui cinnamon twig, is also good for releasing the muscle layer and also good for these symptoms of stiff neck and upper back because we said those were symptoms of a tai-yang attack, U-B and S-I, those channels go to the neck. Um, so here we have another herb, gu again, that also releases the muscle layer for stiff neck and upper back. And it turns out we actually use those herbs together quite a bit when we have stiff neck and upper back. So, um, with wager, we have a modification called wager jog, ja gugentong. So we take the wager and we add in guggen, and it's really good for treating stiff neck and upper back. We have a formula called tong, which has wager and guggen, and it's really good for stiff neck and upper back. So when you think about guggen, you should probably definitely remember releases the muscle layer for stiff neck and upper back. And so it turns out in those applications, remember, Gugen is cool in temperature, Guizhur is warm in temperature. So it turns out it's, Gugen is so good at releasing the exterior, we even use it when the temperature is wrong. Guggen is so good, sorry, Gugen is so good at treating a uh, stiff neck and stiff upper back, we even use it for cases of wind cold. We just combine it with warm herbs. So Guggen, definitely remember, releases the muscle layer for stiff neck and upper back. And I will say related to this, I've had some people say that they use Guggen. It's so good at treating stiff neck and upper back that they'll use it for cases of whiplash. That if a person gets in a car accident and they end up having stiff neck and upper back, they'll use Guggen to treat whiplash. As far as I know, to me, that doesn't make sense. And I've, I've also talked to Chinese teachers that will say, no, Guggen is only for stiff neck and upper back due to an exterior invasion. If you have something like injury trauma or, or something like that, Guggen not so useful. But I have heard of people, uh, people in America using it this way. And they say they get good success that Guggen is good for um, even it's so good at uh, stiff neck and upper back. We can use it for whiplash. Guggen also generates body fluids for thirst and irritability. And again, this is very useful that if we have wind heat invading the body, it, that heat can dry out the body fluids. And so guggen is sweet in flavor because it generates body fluids to treat this thirst and irritability. So this is one that we'll see come up in a lot of our formulas for this reason, that when we have heat in the body drying out the fluids, we can use guggen again to generate body fluids. Guggen raises yang to stop diarrhea. And so remember when we talk about the directions of the spleen and stomach, we say that the spleen is supposed to raise the clear chi and the stomach is supposed to descend the food into the small intestine. So the stomach has a downward direction. The spleen is supposed to have an upward direction. If the spleen fails to raise the clear T, then things can sink downward and we can get things like diarrhea. So that's something we'll elaborate a little bit more on that in the next one, but Guggen can raise things upward specifically to stop diarrhea. Guggen vents, rashes, and discharges measles. Um, basically, I think as far as I know, there's one formula where Guggen is used for early stage measles and that's the only time it happens. So we remember when we looked at Xiao Song, we didn't see gug in there. When we looked at our other herbs like Nyo bangza and Chan Tui, we didn't group in gug in there. So as far as I know, this is specifically used for early stage measles. Again, we'll talk about that later. And then a more modern usage of we uh we discovered that this is good for symptoms of hypertension like headache, dizziness, tinnitus. Um, paresthesia. So this is, if you go in the um, the Chen and Chen book, they talk a lot about uh, research, modern research that's been done on some of these herbs. And this is, uh, this is something I think they talk about there that can be used for those symptoms. So this would not be a traditional use, but this is a newly discovered use of this uh, herb. But in terms of our properties, again, it's cool and acrid because we're releasing the exterior. We're treating wind heat it, um, it's sweet in flavor because we're generating body fluids. We're tonifying lung and stomach yin or generating body fluids. And that has to do with the the sweet flavor tonifies and moistens. So that's why we say it's sweet in flavor entering channels. Notice the entering channels are the spleen and stomach. So maybe what we can think about here is remember the spleen governs the flesh. And so we're talking about releasing the muscle layer that would be related to the spleen. So that's why this enters the spleen channel. When we talk about generating body fluids, remember the stomach is the source of body fluids. You drink, you drink in fluids and it's absorbed by the stomach. So the stomach is our source of stomach yin and body fluids. That's why gu again enters the stomach channel. Raises yang to stop diarrhea. That's something that's related to the spleen. So that's why this herb enters the spleen and stomach channels. Dosage slightly larger than average. 9 to 21 grams. Next is shung ma Kamiki Fugai rhizoma. Shung ma Kamiki Fugai rhizoma. Shung ma. Shung ma in... I believe this is black cohosh. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know what black cohosh is, but when I've said this to people, people are like, oh yeah, black cohosh. Um, so I think this is something that's used in Western herbology. I think it is especially Native American um, medicine, they use uh, black cohosh. But I do have to say that I think in Western herbology, when they use black cohosh, it's, it tends to be used for women's health issues. And that's not at all what we use it for in Chinese medicine. So I think technically maybe this is a similar species but maybe American black cohosh is different than this plant that's grown in China. So if that helps you remember black cohosh, if that gives you something to attach it to, sheng ma is black cohosh, but it's used very differently in Chinese herbology versus Western herbology. So sheng ma major actions are, like everything in this category, it clears uh, wind heat and again, this one is especially good for venting rashes, especially for early-stage measles. So again, here we say that it vents rashes, it turned, especially for early-stage measles. And again, it turns out we have one formula that's specifically for measles called Shengma Gugentong. As you can imagine, the major ingredients in Shengma Gugentong are Shengma and Guggen. And so that's why we say that these herbs are good for um, early stage measles. So maybe we can look that up real quick. Shangma gugantong. So we have this formula, Shangma gugantong, kamiki fuga, and kudzu decoction. It's good for... uh, venting rashes, syndromes for measles, especially for early stage measles where the rash hasn't expressed itself. And we see our, our major, there's only a couple of herbs. Our major ones are ma and Guggen. So that's an example of where we're using Shengma and Guggen to treat measles. Here we're going to say it's used with Guggen for early stage measles with in, incomplete expression of rash. And here we say Shengma and Guggen for early stage measles where the rash has not yet appeared. So that's what we're using Shengma and Guggen for. Again, as far as I know, I'm not sure it's used in a lot of other formulas for the purpose of venting rashes. It's mainly used in this one formula, Shengma Guggen Tong, for early stage measles. But the other important things about Shengma here, Bensky and actually all the other textbooks will say clears heat and resolves toxicity. I would be a little bit more straightforward this and say say specifically, Shengma clears stomach heat. Or we could say Shengma clears Yangming heat. When you say Yangming, we mean stomach and large intestine. Because when you look at our um, examples of what it can treat, we say it's good for toothache, swollen and painful gums, bleeding gums, and canker sores. So what we're talking about here is yangming heat. Remember, the stomach channel enters the upper gums, the large intestine channel enters the lower gums. So when we have heat in the yangming channel, this can cause things like toothache, bleeding gums, swollen gums, or sores in the mouth because both of those channels encircle the lips and enter the gums and teeth. So that's what we mean when we say Sheng Ma clears heat and resolves toxicity. Those are the types of things we're talking about. And we have formulas for toothache where sheng Ma is a major ingredient. And then number three, sheng Ma has this action of raising spleen yang. Again, we talked about this where the stomach is supposed to descend things into the small intestine. The stomach has a downward nature. The spleen is supposed to raise the clear qi, raise the clear yang. The spleen has an upward direction. So, if the spleen fails in that, uh, raising the clear yang, we get this condition we can call spleen yang sinking or spleen failing to raise the clear qi. And so, one thing that can happen if the spleen fails in this upward action is we can get prolapse, sinking of the organs. So, uh, uterine prolapse, rectal prolapse, things like that, because the spleen is not going upward. The other thing that can happen is if things are not going, if the spleen is not raising things upward, then things can fail to rise or go downward. So we can see things like, again, or uh, organ prolapse, urinary or rectal bleeding, hemorrhoids, vaginal discharge, or even heavy periods could be that things are going downward because the spleen is not raising things upward. A bearing down or dragging down sensation in the lower body, sometimes when you're doing your patient intake and you ask about menses or how are your periods, sometimes women will report a bearing down sensation prior to their period, and this could be the a sign that the spleen is not raising things upward. So Sheng Ma can raise the clear qi of the spleen to counter-prolapse. And so it turns out the name sheng ma means ascending hemp. Remember we said that ma means hemp, like ma huang was yellow hemp. Sheng ma means ascending hemp. So I think this actually refers to um, the way the plant grows, that has vines that crawl up the wall. But maybe what we can remember is sheng ma ascending hemp means it ascends the stomach channel into the face to treat things like toothache, bleeding gums, and mouth sores. It ascends upward into the face, and it also ascends, as in raises the clear yang of the spleen, to counter prolapse. So sheng ma, ascending hemp, has a very strong upward nature. Then we can see it's entering channels, uh, lung, large intestine, stomach, spleen. Again, when when it says clear heat, you really mean it clears yangming heat, and so that's why this herb enters the yangming channels. It enters the large intestine channel and the stomach channel, because both of these channels encircle the lips, enter the gums, enter the teeth. Um, enters the lung channel because we're venting things outwards, treating rash. Enters the spleen channel because we're raising the clear yang of the spleen. So sheng ma, think ascending hemp, it goes upward to clear heat uh, from the mouth and teeth, and it also goes upward to raise the clear yang of the spleen. Finally, we have chai hu, bu pluri radix. Chai hu, chai hu. These are both third tone. When you have two third tones in a row, the first one changes to second tone. So we we should say chai hu. Chai hu, bu pluri radix. Uh, What we need to know about this one is in releasing the exterior, its specialty is that it's releasing the exterior to resolve xiaoyang disorders. Can't remember if I put a slide in there for for our six levels, but remember when we talked about um, uh, Shang Han Lun and how pathogens uh, penetrate the six levels? They go Tai Yang Yang Ming Xiao Yang Tai Yin Xiao Yin Well, one of our stages is the Xiao Yang stage. Uh, Xiao Yang disorders are are said to be half interior half exterior disorder. So it's kind of like uh, you have this pathogen. It's got one foot in the door. It's halfway on the inside, but halfway still on the outside. And that's the characteristic of a Yang or lesser yang disorder. So our major symptom is alternating fever and chills. So we could say we have alternating fever and chills because it's half internal, half external. So sometimes you're hot and sometimes you're cold. That's one way to think about it. But just remember when we talked about external attacks and when we talked about in the last category, when we talked about like taiyang disorders and external attack of wind cold or an external attack of wind heat, there we said simultaneous fever and chills, that you're, you have simultaneous fever and aversion to cold or aversion to wind. Well, here we don't have simultaneous fever and chills, we have alternating fever and chills. So you're hot for a couple hours, you're really hot, you're taking off all your clothes cuz you're so hot and sweaty, and then it switches and now you're really cold and you're bundling up and you're putting all the blankets on cuz you're you're just chilly and you can't get warm and then 2 hours later it switches again and now you're hot again. You have alternating fever and chills. So again, one way we can think about this is the this is a half interior, half exterior, so maybe that maybe maybe that can make you think of alternating fever and chills. I think really the, the, the better explanation is when we say xiaoyang, remember xiaoyang means gallbladder and sanjiao. And one of the characteristics of the gallbladder is we tend to get constraint or stagnation. We talk about liver gallbladder qi stagnation. The, the gallbladder tends to be stagnant. And so what's happening is when we have fever and chills, again, remember we said that normally you have this yang qi diffusing over the surface of the body, warming and protecting you. And, and so when you're not sick, you have this nice yang qi spreading over the surface of the body. when you have a Xiao Yang disorder, there's stuff going on in your gallbladder, you're getting constrained. This yang qi gets constrained. And so it's not able to spread over the surface of the body, it's constrained by the gallbladder. So you feel chilled. But then what happens is that constraint builds up so much it eventually bursts. It's like a geyser that goes off, and now you have this this Yang Chi flooding over the surface of your body. And you feel hot. Before you were feeling chilled, but now you suddenly have this Yang Qi, you feel hot, and that's the fever. But then eventually the constraint builds up, and the Yang Qi isn't able to disseminate over the surface, and you feel cold. But then the constraint suddenly releases and bursts open, and now you feel hot. And so that's why we have alternating fever and chills. Our other signs, bitter taste in the mouth, that has something to do with uh, the gallbladder. When we have gallbladder disorders, we tend to have. And pointing to the wrong side. When we have gallbladder disorders, we tend to have bitter taste in the mouth. Uh, flank pain is like rib side distension because the liver gallbladder channels go to the rib sides. So with Shaoyang disorder, we get this flank pain or rib side distension. So Chai Hu is our representative herb for Shaoyang disorders. And so that's going to be important to remember when we start talking about our Shang Han Lun formulas. Uh we talked about ma huang and gui for the tai yang level. Well, here we're talking about chai hu for the Xiaoyang level. And in the next category, we'll talk about the yang ming level. Chai hu also has a very important function of moving liver qi. So for uh, kind of like we talked about with buo he, these symptoms of liver qi constraint. Um, things like uh, headache, emotional instability, women's health problems. Uh, rib side distension, things like that. Chai hu is a very important herb for moving liver qi. In fact, it turns out that later we have a category of herbs that regulate qi. We have an entire category of herbs that are good for moving qi. But it turns out when we look at our formulas for liver qi stagnation, chai hu is actually the major herb that we use for moving liver qi. So again, if we look at this very famous formula, that's very often prescribed for uh, liver qi stagnation is San, rambling powder. When we look up San for liver qi stagnation, uh, San, sometimes called rambling powder or free and easy wanderer decoction, we say it's good for spreading liver qi, treating liver qi stagnation. So this can come up as things like hypochondriac pain or rib-side distension. This can come up as things like headache, bitter taste in the mouth, frequent sighing. These are all signs of liver qi stagnation. When we look at the herbs, it turns out our chief herb is chai hu, radix. So chai hu is the chief herb of xiaoyaosan. Chai hu is the chief herb in a formula that treats liver qi stagnation. So we should probably remember that chai hu is good for moving liver qi. Then, like we said, bohe mint leaf is also here, so bohe also appears in the formula xiaoyao san because it has this action of relieving uh, liver qi stagnation. So those are two herbs that are used together for liver qi stagnation, and one example of that is in our formula xiaoyao san. So chaihu moving liver qi, very important function. And then number three, also a very important function, similar to Shengma, Chaihu raises the clear yang of the spleen. So it raises spleen qi to counter-prolapse. It raises spleen qi to treat sinking conditions. And so it turns out that Chaihu and Shengma are, very, are used together because they both have this action. And one of the places it comes up is in the formula Bujong Ichitang. Bujong Ichi tonify the middle and augment the qi decoction. So if we look up um, Bujong Ichi Tong, this is a formula that it uh, tonifies the middle, but raises sunken yang and lifts prolapse organs. So this is for middle qi sinking. And so we can see this... Um, See if we have any good uh, sinking conditions, fecal incontinence, frequent bowel movement, frequent urination, because things are going downward. We have a whole list of things: uh, menstrual flooding and spotting because things are going downwards. I thought we would have things like um, prolapse. It's not mentioning a lot of prolapses here, but for spleen, but for things sinking, when we look at the ingredients. We see is our major, uh, two major herbs here are sheng ma and chai hu because they both have an action of raising yang or raising yang qi to lift what is sunken or to counter prolapse. And then one way that chai hu is different from sheng ma, with sheng ma we just say it raises uh, spleen yang. Here chai hu also has an action of raising liver qi as well. And normally, this is regarded as a side effect. Basically, liver is already going upwards. If anything, we have problems of livers going upwards too much. We have liver yang rising, causing things like dizziness, tinnitus, eye problem, blurred vision, because there's too much liver yang rising. We don't need the liver to to rise more. If anything, we want to subdue liver yang rising. But Chai Hu, because of its strong upward action, it not only raises the clear yang of the spleen, it can also raise the yang of the liver and gallbladder. So again, this is usually a side effect. So this would be like if you sometimes when you use chai hu, you might have patients come in and say, oh, I took this formula and now I have a headache or now I have these other symptoms of liver yang rising. And you can say, oh, the reason for that is the chai hu is causing too much lifting. So we might need to modify that formula because the chai hu is not only raising the spleen like we want, it's also raising the liver ca- causing problems. So if anything, uh, that would be a side effect of chai hu. But so chai hu, all these um, each of these is important. So chaihu releases the exterior, and its specialty there is treating Shaoyang disorders. So Chai Hu is our representative, form, a representative herb for Shaoyang disorders in the Shanghan Lun. It also moves liver qi. It's our major herb for moving liver qi. It's going to show up in famous formulas like San for liver qi stagnation. And it also raises things upward. Along with Sheng Ma, it's good for lifting what is sunken or countering prolapse. So chai hu, very important. The name chai hu, um, chai means like, I think just means twig or stick, and hu means barbarian or foreigner. And so this is a thing when you had herbs that came from outside China, so they would use the word hu to mean that they were foreign or barbarian herbs. So that's what chai hu means. Doesn't really help you remember the properties, but... It's barbarian twig. is chai hu. So those are our cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. We can go through and do a quick review. Because I'm starting to stumble over my words and lose my voice. So let's just be real quick. Buohe. Menthi haplocalcus erba. Buohe is mint leaf. Chinese field mint. Remember buohe is aromatic and it opens up the face and so this is something that people stick their head over mint tea because it opens up their eyes and face so it's really good for brightening the eyes it's good for um venting rashes as well also gently moose liver tea because it's in that uh formula San. nyobangza arcti fructus is burdock seed nyobangza major specialties are it's good for sore throat we're going to see it in a lot of formulas that are specifically good for sore throat it also vents rashes. Again, we saw it in formulas for uh, signs of rashes. Because it's a seed, it also moistens the large intestine. That could be good or bad. Chantwe, cic- cicada periostracum. Chantwe is cicada skin. So th- things to remember about cicadas. Cicadas are loud. They like to chirp. They like to sing. So cic- so Chantwe cicada skin is good for sore throat with hoarseness or voice loss to bring back your voice so he can be as loud as a cicada. Chantwe is also, uh it's the skin of the cicada, so it's good for the skin of your body. So it's really good for venting rashes, and it's really good for stopping itch. And chantue also is good for uh brightening the eyes due to wind heat. It also extinguishes wind, and that's just bugs tend to do that. Songye and Zhuhua are mulberry and chrysanthemum. They tend to be used together because they release the exterior. They're good for wind heat. Songye, especially good for that dry cough. Both of them are good for brightening the eyes, both for wind heat and liver heat. So Songye, Zhuhua, very common pair for brightening the eyes. Manjingza. Manjingza goes to your face, so it's good for your face. Dondo Chur is bland or um prepared soybean, fermented soybean. Dondo Chur is mild. It's good for early stage attacks. It's good for either wind heat or wind cold. So remember, we had a few herbs that were like this. Ginger, jiang was like that. Uh um scallion, zong bai, good for early stage attacks. Here we have another dondo chur, good for early stage attacks. It can be used for both wind heat and wind cold. Mutzei, horsetail, basically good for brightening the eyes. You probably only use it when you have eye problems. G again is kudzu root, parari erratics. G again has a couple things going for it. G again releases the muscle layer, especially for stiff neck, stiff upper back. G again generates body fluids. um, So for thirst and irritability, when that heat is drying things out. Technically, that's also why it's, that might be why it's good for treating neck stiffness is there's like heat, there's dryness. And so the, anyway, part of the generating fluids is also good for the neck. And it also raises yang to, uh, it's good for diarrhea. Shengma is ascending hemp. Shengma, it's ascending hemp, so it goes upward. Think about Shengma ascending upward, ascending the Yang Ming channels into the teeth, gums, and mouth. So it, it clears heat. It's good for toothache, bleeding gums, swollen gums, mouth sores because it ascends upward to clear that heat from the Yang Ming channels. It also ascends upward to raise the clear yang of the spleen, raise spleen chi two-counter-sinking, two-counter-prolapse. Chai Hu, Bupluriradix. Chai Hu is our representative herb for Shaoyang disorder, alternating fever and chills, bitter taste in the mouth, rib-side distension. Chai Hu is a big herb for moving liver qi. That's why I use it in Shaoyang and Chai Hu also has this upward action to raise the spleen qi to counter-prolapse. So that is our Cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So that was our category, cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. Again, if you want to download notes or flashcards for this, you can go to the website, tcmstudy.net, click on the Herbology One tab. If you go down to the section Cool Acrid Herbs that Release the Exterior, you can download the slides uh, to follow along. There are two versions. One is just the text, black and white, and then one version has the color photos of the herb samples. Or if you want, you can uh, get the flash cards as well. These are pretty much the same thing as the slides, they're just designed to be printed out on four by six index cards. Again, there's a couple versions depending on how much printer ink you wanna use. You can get just black and white, you can get black and white with photos, or you can get a version with some additional notes, annotations, and emojis. So that's on the website tcmstudy.net. And if you go there, there's also a practice test you can take. So here we have things. Which two herbs are used together because they both benefit the throat Uh, for a red, sore, swollen throat? Remember, Neobongsa was one of our major herbs for treating throat problems. In clearing wind heat invasion, what is Mutze's specialty? Mutze is horsetail. Mu means wood. And uh, wood belongs to the eyes. So mutse is especially useful for brightening the eyes. So if you want to take a practice test, that's another thing you can do is go to the website tcmstudy.net. Under the Herbology 1 tab, there are some practice tests you can take. And as always, we'd like to say thank you to the Patreon uh, members. Thank you for supporting the website, the YouTube channel, the podcast, which I haven't done a whole lot yet with. Um... Basically, all these resources are presented for free and ad-free. These videos are brought to you by viewers like you. So thank you for your support. If you would like to support the channel, there are some options in the description below. Joining the Patreon is like making a monthly pledge. So that's like a monthly donation. Uh, There's really no extras for joining the Patreon. I like to make everything as freely available as possible. So it's not like you're getting access to exclusive content per se. It's just a way to support the the website and the channel. If you don't want to do a monthly membership, there's also a link to buy me a coffee. That's a one-time donation if you want to make some donation. And basically it goes through PayPal. Um... That one I think you have to do in $5 increments because I guess that's how much coffee costs. is $5. But that's a way to make a one-time donation. Um, I've had some people that they don't like to use their credit cards online. If you want to send me something, I have a P.O. box. You can uh, send me a Halloween card, send me some peanut M&Ms, something like that. You can also mail me at the P.O. box. And then there are some other options. If you go to the resources page, uh, buying books through Amazon can help out the channel. There are T-shirts. We have a, a... Mandalorian, this is the way with the the Dao character on it, t-shirts, and there are also online courses. What we did here today was a very in-depth review of the category cool lacquered herbs that release the exterior. If you're studying for finals, if you're studying for year ends, if you're studying for boards, this was maybe a little bit too in-depth. So if you're in one of those situations and you just want a quick review of all the herbs, you can uh, check out the courses on Teachable. There's a single herb course that goes through all of the herbs. And there's also a formula review course that goes over all of the formulas on the NCCOM formula list. So if you're reviewing for finals, year ends, or reviewing for boards, those are some things to check out, and those also help the channel. But I think that's it for today. Thank you for being here. We'll see you in the next one.